All right, good morning. All right, today I'm gonna talk to you about opportunity. How many of you have said or heard someone say this? This is a great opportunity. I want you to go back and look at your life every time you said that and see how many times it really was a great opportunity. Most of the time, it wasn't. I can almost guarantee you, if it was a great opportunity, it was gonna make you a lot of money, it didn't. You ever notice how many times people say, you, you need to get in on this, it's a great opportunity, and then you get in on it, but it's not a great opportunity. So the Bible has a lot to say about this word opportunity. We're going to look at it today, but I, I want to just say this. Your past does not define you. It's not the condition of, that you're in right now. It's the decision you make that will affect your destiny. And the environment you put yourself in will also determine the quality of your life, the quality of your friends, the quality of everything about what you do. You get in the right environment and you thrive. You get in the wrong environment and you don't. So I want you to think about environments and where they are. Uh, today we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, Jericho. Some of you remember Jericho in the Bible. But Jericho, during the time of Christ, really catered to the rich and the famous. And so naturally, sitting outside the gates and all along that road to Jericho, there would be people that were begging for money. They were hoping that someone would give them something. And they were looking for an opportunity. The blind were there, the lame were there, the sick, they were there too. Maybe not because they thought healing was coming, but they definitely thought someone would help them out because they had struggles. You see, what I found out in life is that opportunities multiply when you seize them. When you take hold of an opportunity, it tends to, to have a certain amount of momentum to it. And they diminish when you don't take advantage of those opportunities. But you always have to remember, it's you, your part to take the initiative. You have to take the opportunity. And opportunity means risk. And risk is just another word for faith. You see, in the Christian world, we can talk about faith, but really it's risk, isn't it? I have to trust that God will do what God said he would do, and that's a risk. What if he doesn't? And some of you have had those experiences in life where, you know, it, you didn't get your prayer answered. It didn't come, turn out the way you wanted to, and you look back and go, did I not have enough faith? That might have been the problem. It may have been that you just weren't in the right time or zone of what God was doing at that moment. But you have to act on your opportunity as well. So you say, okay, I, I'm gonna take the initiative, but now there's a process that I have to go through in this opportunity to get to where I wanna go. So I want you to say this word with me, moment. A moment happens every day, every second, right? There's, this is a moment. What moment are you in right now? You see, opportunities in your life have a short lifespan. They don't stay open a long time, do they? You have to say, this is an opportunity. This is the shelf life I have for it. What will I do with this moment in my life? You know, all of us, I think, live a certain amount of time that we think we have all the time in the world, or we, we have time to recover. We have time to fix this problem. But have you noticed how time is abandoned, that it, it just it rips from us and robs from us everything that we want? We go like, where did all the time go? I can't believe we're already in month two of 2024. So I want to show you this story about a blind man named Bartimaeus. 
Bartimaeus was positioned at the gates on the road there to Jericho, and he was in a perfect place for an opportunity. Let's look at the scriptures. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. So you can see the scene. He was one of probably dozens, maybe hundreds, who were begging in this opportune time at Jericho. When he heard, look what it says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he's gonna take advantage of the opportunity. You see, Bartimaeus had to know his condition, didn't he? I mean, he, he was either born blind or became blind, but he was blind. He knew his condition and he knew what he wanted. It was really simple. I just wanna see. Let me ask you something. Do you know your condition? What's the one thing that would be a game changer in your life if you would make that decision? If Jesus would touch your life, what's the one condition you would say, this is what I need to do? Now, you might have a list. You say, well, I've got 10 things. No, forget the 10 things. What's the one thing that's the leverage point in your life that will literally change your life? A lot of people, they'll, they'll spend a lot of time and a lot of money trying to find the answer to that, but you already know it instinctively. You know in your heart of hearts what's the one thing that you need. You see, what Partabaeus did was he refused to listen to his, credit, his critics. And we're gonna see this, that his environment also would affect his perspective. So he's in this, uh, in this environment. I'm sure all the, the people that were sick, all the people that were blind, all the people that had problems, they hung out together. And they looked at each other and they thought, I wonder if I'm gonna get something today. I wonder if there'll be someone who'll see me or will they see you? And there probably was a bit of envy and jealousy that existed among those people. Even though they had very little, they were still all looking for the same thing, a handout. But Bartimaeus wasn't looking for a handout. He was looking for vision. You know, sometimes we spend our life looking for pennies when it really it's what we need is eyesight. What we really need is a changed life. We need God to do something miraculous in our life. Your, de your desperation will always drive your action. How desperate are you for that one thing you identified a few minutes ago to see God do in your life? It might be say, you know what I need, Pastor? I really need a great job. Okay. All your effort needs to be on that. All your prayers need to be on that. You have to say, God, that's the one thing I need that will change my life because my family needs the income, because I need the purpose in my life. Whatever it is, you, you focus on that one thing and you put every effort you have into it and you say, I want to seize this moment, moment in time. Right now, God is giving you revelation. God is speaking to you and he's telling you something. And you're going to just say, I'll, I think I'll remember that, or boy, that's really good. But really, unless you say, I'm going to take action on that one thing God is showing me right now, you won't. Have you ever laid in bed and you had great thoughts? And you said, I'll just remember these in the morning. And you wake up in the morning, what do you say? I don't know where they went. I don't know what that was. It was a really great thought, though. So I've kind of made it a habit now. Whenever I have a really great thought, I get up and I, and I write it down. Because if I don't, then I get up in the morning, I go, yeah, I remember that. Why? Because I see it. You have to see where you're going in order to get where you want to be. You have to see it. You have to see it in your heart, not just in your eyes. You have to see it in your conscience. You have to see it in your mind. You have to see it. 
You see, there's two set of eyes. There's those physical eyes, but there's those spiritual eyes too, right? There's those insight when you say, now I see what I'm thinking about here. All right, now the second word I want you to get, moment's the first one. The second one is combat. You realize that, that opportunities attract opposition. Whenever you start to go down the road of opportunity, what happens? Somebody will say to you, that won't work. I tried that. Can anybody attest to that and say somebody's tried to kill your dream? Raise your hand. Rick, got somebody tried to kill my dream, all right? Don't worry about it. That's natural. That's what people do. They try to kill your dreams. Why? Because they haven't lived out their dream yet, and they're jealous that your dream might actually work, and if it works, then what are they going to do with their dream? You see, most people don't really value themselves very highly. Most people will, will say that uh, down deep, they'll say, you know, I, I really believe that I'm this, and then someone will say, oh, no, I don't see you like that. They're gonna, other people are going to see you better than you see yourself. Because we, we live in this world of just trying to go, wow, I know me, and I know what I do, and I know what I'm capable of, and, and, I'm, and even my job is above my pay grade, and I'm so worried somebody will find out, and then they'll let me go. Literally, that is how most people live. They live with a low self-esteem. And you have, to, you have to have a God esteem. You have to say, God, you made me this way. You made me for a purpose. You made me for a reason. God, I want to be that person. I want to reach up and not keep reaching down in my life. So let's look what happened to Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 and verse 48. And my phone just went off. That's interesting. There's a song playing. pretty cool. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to find out what's going on here. We got it. Sorry for that little interlude. All right. Look what it says. Then many warned him to be quiet. So Barnabas, he's over there. Jesus, Jesus. Have you ever cried out like that? Jesus, Jesus. And someone and says, quit being a fanatic. You be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. Don't do that. Don't get fanatical. Don't get excited about Jesus. So we're going to do a little experiment here, all right? From this room over here, you're going to so, say, be quiet. And from here over, you're going to say, Jesus. And we're going to see if Jesus can win out because they got more people on your side. Ready? On the count of three. Jesus. Jesus. Ooh, that's good. Be quiet. Now let's convert them. Everybody say Jesus. 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 It's, that's how you cry in your bed. That's how you cry in your prayers. That's what you say. Jesus, I need something here. And you know what the Bible says when Jesus heard his name? It says he stopped. There are a lot of blind people. There are a lot of lame people, a lot of poor people. But the Bible only records one miracle in this moment. You see, you only need one miracle, don't you? You don't need one transformation, don't you? He cried out and he said, son of David, have mercy on me. If you're going to advance, you have to realize you're in combat. You're gonna be opposed if you're following after God. You see, you have to refuse to listen to the critics. People say, well, people are gonna criticize me. So I'm worried what people are thinking about me. They're probably not even thinking about you. That's reality, right? Do you realize that even God has his critics? 
You think you're better than God? People are always talking bad and trash talking God. Have you noticed that? God this, God that. They even put another word after God to express how bad a situation is that starts with the letter D. Because they want to blame God for it. How about in insurance companies? What do they do? Oh, well, this was an act of God. They just, your whole house was just wiped out. The whole ta- town was destroyed by a tornado. Go, act of God. Why does God get blamed for all that stuff? How come it's not Mother Earth? Mother Earth did that. She was really mad today. I'm telling you, God was okay. But Mother Earth, why is it that people want to defame the name of Jesus? Because there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of, say it with me, what? Jesus. Jesus. So, you know, you hit your, your thumb with a hammer. You don't say, oh, Buddha. Oh, Muhammad, why? Because those names have no power. The enemy, the prince of darkness, is trying to destroy the name that has power above every other name. Because Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man is gonna come to the Father except by him. You have to refuse to listen to the critics. Don't, Don't worry about the critics. Use them to build you and strengthen you. When you get pushed, you just get stronger, amen? You have to increase your determination to match your opposition. Sometimes we just fold. Well, people don't like me. I know. That's okay. They don't all exist on planet Earth to like you. Well, I really want to be liked. Well, too late. Well, he has a lot of friends. Yeah, but he's more likable. What do you want to do? Do you want to make a difference in your life? Do you, want to, do you want to thrive or do you want to dive? Do you want to excel or do you want to stop and get stuck in inertia? You get to decide in life. And so you have to refuse to listen to your critics. You have to increase your determination to match the opposition. And you have to take advantage of confusion. Take advantage of confusion. Everything's spinning around. You know what we did during COVID? We took advantage of confusion. We said, we're just going to stay open. We're just going to stay open. There's confusion everywhere. We don't, nobody knows what's going on in those first few weeks, right? I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? And I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. I do know one thing. We're going to just put God first, see what happens. And we'll, we'll just, if there, we have consequences, you know, we, we had OSHA raid our offices. We had health department on our doors. They said, you're, you know, you're super spreader. You're going to wipe everybody out. We didn't. We made a decision in confusion. You say, what if it was a wrong decision? Then we probably would, nobody would be here today. <laughs> Amen? But sometimes, you see, you gotta, t- you, gotta, you gotta see confusion and things are swirling around. You go like, I have to be the sane thought and voice in the room in this moment. What am I going to do in this moment? This moment is combat. I have to make a good decision in this moment. You're going to have to do that in your business. You're going to have to do that in your family. You're going to have to do it in every part of your life. You have to make a decision in the middle of confusion in that moment, even though you know you're being opposed and you have to do exercise combat in that very moment. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. 
Such an interesting scripture. It's been, a lot of people have given different interpretations to it, but let me, let me show you what I believe it's saying. It's saying that if you're going to take the kingdom of God and embrace it, and you're going to advance it, you have to be strong. That word violent is actually the word strong. Strong sounds a little bit better, the strong, but it's using this word violent like, I have to go beyond just what would be normal. You see, the kingdom of God in your life, in your family, in your business, and everything you do is not just going to naturally fall in place. You have to say, I'm gonna stand in this situation, I'm gonna advance the kingdom of God because I know that it's going to suffer if I don't do that. I have to take it by force. You see, you have to understand the violence of faith. Sometimes we make faith so, so soft and tender that we just think, well, I just have faith. Usually people that just say have faith don't have any. That's what I found out. Usually people that aren't bold in their prayers don't see anything come. You're in a battle. Faith is a battle. You have to be in the middle of that battle. Faith is an aggressive force in your life. God, I want you to do this. You can't say, God, I hope you do this. God, it'd be really cool if you did this. God, I'd like you to do this. You have to take it but with everything you've got and say, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to trust God. Even, even though things go up and down and around and around, I am refuse to doubt God. You see, faith is forward-directed. It's a forward-directed uh, force in your life. Faith is something that you throw out in front of you, then you walk into it. So I say, okay, I'm walking into faith. I'm declaring today what I want to see God do tomorrow. But I'm going to see it as though it is today. I'm gonna call those things that are not as though they are. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna walk on the borderline of disaster because God has to come through or I'm in a mess. That's faith. Faith is not looking back and go, wow, look what God did. No, faith is calling those things which are not as though they are, Romans chapter four. That's what faith is. Faith is out of this world. It's not natural to have faith. It's natural to have faith after you see it done, but faith is something that just comes from God himself. Faith is never passive. It's always persistent, and it's always stubborn. This is why people don't go public with their faith, because they're gonna fold right when, the, when this, people say, well, well, did God answer your prayer? And when you, when you know you're on the hook to answer people's questions, you, you pull back and you say, well, I'm just not gonna declare what God's gonna do. I'm just gonna keep it quiet. No, declare it. Declare it. When you say, well, like, when people come and you say, well, has God answered? You say, not yet. Or God may cause you to pivot. Maybe you thought this was the direction to go, but God showed you in the middle of that, you have to pivot over here. You have to go in a different direction. It wasn't that your faith, that your prayer didn't get answered. It was that God gave you greater revelation because you started out in the right direction. You got some momentum, and then you pivoted, and you said, no, this is the direction I think God is going to go, and I'm going to keep trusting God. The more you welcome people into your life to ask you those questions, the greater your faith will be. I got an oh me and an oh my. <laughs> Amen? I'm, I'm serious now. We want to see God do something. Now, the next word I want to give you is expand. Say expand. expand. All right. So the first word was what? Moment. That was good. You really remembered well. First word was what? Moment. Second word, combat. I'll give you a hint. Combat. And this one is expand. Opportunities can change your life. 
They can. They can literally change your life. You're going to go through life, and look what it says here in Mark chapter 10, verse 49. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. All right, so he's out there going, yelling what? What's the word? Jesus. Say it really loud. Jesus. Okay, now you guys are you're, you're kind of trying to catch up. Say Jesus. Jesus. All right. That's what he's saying. And all of a sudden, he hears that name. He hears his name. How many people were shouting Jesus in that crowd? Hundreds, maybe. But he heard one. Why did he hear that one? And he stood still. Look what it says here. He stood still and and commanded him to be called. He said to his disciples, get him over here. Get that blind guy over there right there. Get him over here. And then they called the blind man, saying, be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. His life just changed. Do you realize this is the last time Jesus would be at Jericho? He was on his road on the way to Jerusalem. He would be dead in a matter of weeks. This was his last time in Jericho. This was was the last time that the blind man was going to encounter Jesus on that road. And he stopped, and all of a sudden he said, be of good cheer. And he's throwing aside his garment. It was probably cold. He had this big coat on. They would use, the, use it to stay warm at night. He rose and he came up to Jesus. And Jesus answered him and said, what do you want me to do for you? That's what Jesus is asking you right now. What do you want me to do for you? What? Don't say there's a lot of things. No, you know what it is. What do you want me to do for you? Hopefully you've got something in your mind when you hear that. The blind man said, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. Imagine if he'd asked for money. Imagine if he'd asked for something else, but he said, no, I know what I need. I need to see. And Jesus said to him, go your way, go your way. Your faith has made you well. His faith was crying out to Jesus before Jesus called his name. His faith was there before he could see. Faith always precedes your miracle. Your miracle may not happen without your faith. It may be the faith of someone else. In the Bible, sometimes it was somebody else's faith. But look what it says here. Go your way, your faith has made you well, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Guess what? He became a follower. I've been changed, and because I'm changed, I want to follow Jesus. A lot of people are changed at salvation, and they're not a follower. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. But you don't follow Jesus. No, I don't really have time. I got other interests, other things going on in my life. Well, the question is, were you really changed and transformed in that moment, or did you just put on the appearance of a Christian? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to anybody. The only guy I know who's saved is me. Because I was there when I met Jesus. Are you a follower of Jesus? You see, there's seasons of breakthrough in your life. You know, if you're a farmer, there there are certain things you do. In the the winter, you plan. You plan, like, what am I going to plant? And what am I going to do? I'm going to kind of keep up with maintenance if I can. If if the weather permits, I'm going to do that. And then what's going to happen in the springtime, I'm going to get out and I'm going to plant. I'm going to plant, and I'm going to harvest in the summer, and, and you know, in, in the fall, I, or plant in the summer, and then I'm going to harvest in the fall. 
That's my season. Do you know that in the spiritual realm there are seasons? You go through a season of obedience. You say, look, the most important thing for me to do right now is just obey God. And you get a pattern in your life of obedience. And once you get a pattern in your life of obedience, you're ready for the season of authority. Now the season of authority is now I can, because I've been obedient, I know what the promises of God to me are, now I can act on those. Do you realize that blind Bartimaeus had a moment of obedience and then he got, he claimed his authority in Christ. And then you have a season of identity. Who are you? Blind Bartimaeus said, I'm not a beggar anymore. I'm not sitting by the road anymore. I'm a follower of Jesus. My identity changed in that moment. I saw me for who me really is. I am a committed follower of Jesus Christ. You know what I love about Jericho? Jericho was a city of miracles. Some of you know the story when, when uh, they sent the spies in. This is they, They're coming out of the wilderness. They've been 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They send the spies in, all right? And, and it was a dangerous situation undoubtedly, and they encounter a woman named Rahab who was a harlot, and she gives them shelter. Don't you love the way God works? It wasn't like a committed Sunday school teacher. Come in here, boys. I'm going to fix you a little soup. It was a harlot. a harlot, and she gave him shelter, gave him safe passage. And when they were leaving, they said, take this red cord, this crimson rod or, or cord, and tie it on your, on, on your window and let it hang down. And when we come in to invade the city, we'll see the red cord and we won't destroy you. You'll be safe. And that red cord runs all the way through scripture. It's the blood of the Lamb of God. It's the blood of the lamb, and all of a sudden they come into the city. They're going to destroy it, and the word had already spread. Look for the red cord, and that woman, do not destroy her. Keep her safe. Make sure she's all is well with her. All right, and then the walls fell. There's another miracle, city of miracles. The walls fall down completely flat. It was there that uh, in that moment that, that we realized what God was doing. He was doing a miracle in the land. It was there that Elisha purified the waters. It was there that the blind man was healed. It was there that Zacchaeus was converted. It was there that the Good Samaritan parable was told by Jesus. It was there where Rahab the harlot got written into the genealogy of Jesus and she is part of the kingdom because when she encountered Jesus, her identity changed, her destiny changed, and she became, you can turn in the Gospel of Matthew chapter one and you can read right there in the genealogy of Jesus about Rahab the harlot because you see, God doesn't care where you've been. God wants to take you where you need to be. Now, if you wanna stay where you are, you can stay where you are all you want but it ain't gonna be any fun. And there's no destiny in it. You're making your own decisions without God? Well, your decisions will always be bad. You'll make bad decisions without God because you're gonna say about me, me, me. No, it's not about you. It's about the, the, the creator of the universe who created you in his image and he wants you to have a destiny bigger than you wanna have. And when you get an insight, you say, God, look what you're doing in my life. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you need a miracle today? Do you need a miracle? Got a couple miracles in the house. I can't believe that. Everybody ought to need a miracle. If you don't have somebody who's lost, maybe you don't need that kind of miracle. If you don't need money, maybe you don't need that kind of miracle. 
Your, your thoughts are always pure. You don't need that miracle. Man, you're just so good. It's unbelievable. Let me ask again. How many of you need a miracle? Raise your hand. Just raise them up. How many of you need a miracle? I need a miracle. All right, now, God, all of a sudden, keep them up. Don't be lightweights here. All right, keep them up. All right, God, I need a miracle. And you know what Jesus does? He stops. He sees the pure of heart. He sees you and you and you and you and maybe all of you. He stops and he said, you know what? I'm going to change your life. I'm going to change your destiny. Okay, you can put your hands down. You see, when Jesus is passing by, he stops and he says to you, what do you want? What do you want? What do you really want? This is your opportunity. This is your moment in time. Will you fight for it? Will you hunger after it? Will you seek it with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength? What will you do with this moment you have? You have this moment right now. When you leave this place, you're going to forget a lot of the inspiration that God has put in your heart through the Holy Spirit. You have to make the decision before you leave. Let's stand together. Stand together. I want to I want to invite you here to the front. We're going to pray for you. If you say, God, I need a miracle, and I want to seize this moment right now, just come on forward if, if that's you. just If it's everybody, just everybody. But come forward. We're going to pray, then we're going to sing. We're going to seal this, this decision with, a, with a, a worship song. And just crowd in there in front. Just get as close as you can. A lot of people want to come up here. A lot of people want to come up here. Amen. Squeeze in. Get in. Get in so tight you'll catch COVID, all right? All right. Okay, just keep squeezing around. Amen. I need a miracle. Do you know what you want? You've got it in your mind. I know what I want. I know what I want you to do, Jesus. You got that one thing, not five things, one thing that you want God to do right now. All right? All right, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I have one thing, a miracle I need from you. I ask you in faith to change my life, change my destiny, change my future, make me whole, give me faith, make me strong. In Jesus' name, if you receive it, say, I receive it.